Hey friends, so here's the deal. As you may have realized from the, hey, sorry, we didn't record an episode two weeks ago, I fucked up. And when I recorded it, uh, there was a problem with my audio. And of course it persisted for this entire episode. So firstly, this is not a sign of things to come. We, we have identified the issue and it will be fixed moving forward. Secondly, I'm very sorry. The audio quality sucks. If you want to skip this episode, you're not going to hurt my feelings. Thirdly, when they tell you not to operate heavy machinery on serious cold medicine, they apparently also mean recording a podcast. So now you know. Hit it, Casey. Get the jet ready. We're going to Vegas. Welcome to Pod at the Montecito, the world's premier podcast discussing the hit NBC television show Las Vegas. I'm one of your hosts, Judson Clark. And I'm your other host, Eddie McCarthy. Judson, what's good, my man? Well, as you and our listeners know, uh, shit came up, so we missed last time two weeks ago. Sorry about that, y'all. And this time we almost missed it again because I'm feeling a little under the weather, but couldn't leave our, our dear listeners hanging. For an entire six weeks. Playing through pain. Yeah, hopefully this is going to be my Michael Jordan flu game. We'll see. It's, I mean, it's definitely the same level of importance, so one can only hope that you rise to the occasion. Correct. Because, I mean, look at us. Look at us. Who would have thought? thought? Not me. Well, since we've left them hanging for so long, should we just get straight into it? Let's fire away. It's season four, episode two, Tie Died in Plain Sight. Rip Tie. No, that's a riptide. I had that coming. Why can't you see what you're doing to me? What you're doing to me? We open in Marrakesh, the tie-dye capital of the world, which <laughs> is what influences the title. And as Big Ed leaves the airport, an extremely conspicuous dude in business casual is waiting outside immigration control with a photo of Big Ed on his phone. And listeners, I'm not even going to ask Eddie's permission this time. If you see somebody conspicuously waiting for you outside customs, you turn right back around and get into that secure area. ASAP. Yeah, this dude stuck out about as bad as anyone could. Didn't really get the whole covert part of the covert ops here, but seemingly he's made his tag and we'll see where it goes from here. Michael Weston, this gentleman is not. Not at all. He and another dude tail Big Ed through a bazaar, but he shakes the tail when he shows his forearm tattoo to a shopkeeper who's standing guard with what looks like a World War II-ass Luger? Uh, This, like, the original Call of Duty, this was your sidearm, it looked like. This was the thing that that guy in uh, Saving Private Ryan or Band of Brothers, like, runs through a hail of gunfire to get a Luger to take home? Yes. This is that Luger. But you know what? It probably still works, and it's good enough to get Ed backroom... Passes to whatever's behind this tent in the bazaar, which you would think would just be more of the bazaar, but lost the suit guy and got themselves in a tiny little bitty truck. Yeah, achievement unlocked, I guess. But I worry about knockoff Michael Weston's career because he looks around for all of two and a half seconds and is like, well, sorry, boss, I've lost a line. 
He uh, he had a reservation later at this great new restaurant that just opened up outside the bazaar. He wasn't going to fuck around with this that long. This guy uh, was quiet quitting long before it became fashionable to do so. 1,000%. Speaking of people who do not want to quiet quit right now, Sam is back on the beach and we found that she didn't open the suitcase from Pulp Fiction, but instead the first half of that USB that Mike hacked into for her has info on the top 100 biggest whales in the world. It's like a digital JW's black book. It seemed like it would be something very much up Sam's alley, to the point that it took her a while to notice that Mike, on the other side of the Zoom call, was getting a pretty hearty back rub from our new friend Shannon. Shannon is competent in the arena of rubdowns as well. Shannon, I know Shannon's not at the feature table, but man, she is rocketing up your boy's personal ranking list. So I think we're we're operating under the belief that she is, if not in the CIA, CIA adjacent based on last episode. But is it possible that she was detached on some foreign mission when the whole I'm not the guy with a big dick thing went around? And she's thinking <laughs> like she just saw a flyer. I was like, oh, God damn. It could be. She's playing with outdated intel. Despite getting a shoulder massage from Shannon, Mike is unable to break through the second level of encryption. But Benny, the surfing legal eagle, recognizes that a seemingly random number in the document is a local phone number belonging to the top real estate agent in Oahu. Not just a phone number, though. It is a backwards phone number. Because I was inverted. And he only catches it because the last three digits were the area code, and that's what got him to look it up. When really, it should have been that digits 5, 6, and 7 were 555. That was the real key. (laughs) Now that we've gotten, you know, all the big cliffhanger stuff out of the way, we do have a couple other folks we need to check in with. Namely, Danny and Delinda, who are just right back to fucking like crazy. And this is where we will get the credit footage of Delinda playing with the whipped cream. A, A good filming day for Mr. Dumel. I mean, gotta be top five, right? I would argue it's probably up in the high part of that. Probably a lot like his penis was. Heyo! Erection joke. (laughs) We come out of the intro with Ed outside his private jet with his friendly, bizarre shop owner who tells him, dude, Sharif hadn't been here in 20 fucking years. I got nothing for you. Ed thanks him. They have a nice parting hug, and Ed's right back on the jet heading home. Yeah, good enough for me, bud. You say he hadn't been here. Cool. It's. I mean, it was very clear this was like a long time asset of Ed's. But again, just a, a tad more due diligence would have been nice here by Ed. While that's been happening, Danny and Delinda have been up to some extreme role playing. This being a job seeker v bad boss role play, which culminates with them fucking in climate control, which in turn allows Delinda to clean out Danny's ductwork. Hey yo. I am kind of surprised that we didn't see, like, some part of the office, the AC, like, go on full blast right after they walk in. <laughs> like, that that felt like a joke that was waiting to happen that I'm honestly glad didn't because it would have been very hacky and we would have made fun of it. But I could have sworn it was coming. Or, like, cut to somebody in surveillance being like, oh, what does that smell? <laughs> Turns out what they should have been up to, though was a sexual harassment seminar that's being organized by shitty lawyer Kathy. The irony is not lost on any of us, but doesn't this feel like something they would have done already? Or is this just an annual checkup they have to do, I guess? I feel like this is probably an annual checkup. 
or response to a to a workplace claim, you know, a complaint's been filed. Which I mean, there could be numerous because there is sexual activity happening all the time. I'm surrounded by idiots. They show up 35 minutes late to this, and I'll get into the sequence of their arrival in a second, but they haven't yet started the meeting 35 minutes in. And I know a lot of listeners are like, oh, here goes Judson, going to jump on something pedantic. Wrong listeners. That's how you know this is corporate America. We are 35 minutes into the meeting and we have accomplished nothing. I cannot even imagine how angry I would be if I was just sitting in that room waiting for this shit to start. And 35 minutes later, Kathy's just like, yeah, just hold on. Everybody has to be here before we can begin. Prisoner's dilemma. What are you going to do? See, I don't think she was waiting for them as much as I bet she was vamping about like the shit that like, hey, today we're going to, you know, sit down with whatever the fuck his name is. And we're going to talk about this. And here's why it's important. And it's 30 minutes of her peacocking to. Well, cozy, cozy TV. Hey, oh, but the bigger problem is that Delinda and Danny show up one right after the other in rapid succession. So it's far too quick to not be suspicious and using the same entry portal. And still, like, practically adjusting their clothes, too. Yes. Like, they, they could have just put on the name tags out front that says, Hi, my name is Just Had Sex. And it felt so good. It's so good. We'll stop there because of me. But you were great. That's <laughs> fun. Title of my sex tape. Um, hey well, I expect better from Danny. Loop around and come in the other entrance. Wait five minutes. Yeah. Page Mike, get him out of there for some fictitious security thing. And then be like, hey, Mike, I needed you to help cover my entrance here. And then 10 minutes later, they both come back. No, I think this is a A, he's got bigger things on his mind. And B, he just doesn't give a shit. Yeah. He's currently top dog and it's a consensual relationship. He doesn't care. The only person who's bitching at him and, oh, we're going to learn more about that is the lady that dumped him after he proposed and is being a bitch about it. Yeah, in case there's any doubt as to whether or not she's moved on, she is not. And she's going to take this opportunity to be both an obnoxious gunner that we all know she is and a passive-aggressive dipshit. Two terrible tastes that taste terrible together. Yeah, we're going to get a lot of work out of that button early on this season because, who lordy, Mary sucks. So hard. Whoa, Bad Mary episode. Whoa, Bad Mary episode. It's a Bad Mary episode. A very Bad Mary episode. And we'll get into this later, but it's it stopped even being fun f- or funny for me to drag her. It's just so shitty. It's it, it is now in the parlance of wrestling, go away heat. Like it's they're not booing you because you're a bad guy. They're booing you because you suck and you make everything worse. Great usage of that term that I only recently learned. But yes, that is exactly what I'm feeling toward her. Delinda realizes that this, it's part just Delinda being Delinda and having fun with a stupid corporate situation, but also be like, there's some catty Delinda here who's, who's she's, she's twisting the knife a little bit with some fun questions of her own. What if a couple of employees, guys or girls or a group or, or whatever, went upstairs, got a little scene going and decided to take a few pictures or videos? So you think she's being catty. I think, yeah, no, she's being catty. But also I think she kind of wants to put that out into the world for everyone to hear and think about. <laughs> like She's like, I want all these motherfuckers thinking about me when they masturbate later today. Danny, already ready to go for round three at this point, 
decides he's just going to shut the meeting down that he's been at for 10% of or 1% of more likely, probably. Well, but not before Mike stands up with some pre-recorded questions from Big Ed, which he plays back to the group, which are outstanding. As as somebody who is also very huggable, I also want to know why I should get in trouble if people want to give me a hug. And you know what? If that had been his leadoff question, I think he may have been able to get an answer. But the fact that his leadoff question was, so if it turns out I accidentally shit in front of people, is that a problem? People keep walking into my private office bathroom when I'm trying to take a poop. I don't understand. How is that my fault? I'm sitting down. They walked in. I would kill to hear the rest of the questions. Oh, we need it so badly. Because Mike, Mike posts up while everyone's leaving because he knows there's like 10 or 12 of these fuckers. And, and you can hear the mirth through the recording. Like, you know that James Collin was coming up with some of these on the fly and he was having a good time. I think I think the Pip one has to have been a Jimmy Conn special. That would God, so good. After that, Sam's back in Hawaii taking a meeting with Natalie, the real estate agent to the rich. And the convo's like part finance flirting and part actual flirting and part quid pro quo. And the deal is Natalie thinks that Brian the Whale has been roughing up local strippers slash hookers for a while, finally made good on his wish at 86 to 1. And this is a locals stepping up for a local situation. So Sam will get the decryption key if and when Sam gets everyone to cut bait on Brian and let him twist in the wind. I mean, it's a pretty good deal for Sam. Yeah, and it seems like she's going to take it until she goes to Benny the lawyer, who, by the way, of course, has hots for Natalie. I mean, who wouldn't, both professionally and personally? Yeah, what's good? She's very attractive. But Sam meets no resistance from Benny. He's like, yeah, fuck him. His check bounced, and I'll do anything Natalie wants. So, whatever. And then Sam's like, oh, well, hang on. What if he's innocent? Benny's like, yeah, I'm not hearing an upside there. What if we don't care if he's innocent or not? Ethically speaking, can he cut bait on his client once the retainer check bounces? Uh, I don't know about Hawaii's rules, but there, it is not that simple. I would assume there has to at least be some paperwork involved. Yeah, there's there's a process you can get started, but it is not a, the second it bounces, well, you're done. Though arguably it should be. I mean, I, I'm not saying that there isn't within 10 minutes a phone call that says, hey, your check bounced. I'm going to need you to go ahead and wire me that cash or we are done. Yeah, I mean, I guess there is the chance that it could be a a monopoly style bank error. Right. And you wouldn't want to cut bait on someone like that. But if the first check bounce is like, eh, yeah. sorry, I, I would also not messing with criminal law. I would think there is a, uh, probably a higher bar for cutting bait, especially somebody locked up for murder. That's a fair point. I don't think a judge is going to look too kindly on him trying to weasel out of that, but your honor, look at the rack on Natalie. And the judge is going to be like sustained. Free to go, sir. <laughs> Overruled, because I'm going to tap that ass first. Hey, yep. Wow, strenuously objected. I should take some time to reconsider. So anyway, Sam's like, all right, I needed some reinforcements, and she's going to get on the horn. For some reason, we come out of commercial, and Sam's giving Brian a chance is to just go see him in prison and say, all right, tell me why I should believe you, or I walk. And for a man who likes chicken, he's got a pretty weak two-piece combo. First is, look at me, I'm such a pussy. And listeners, that is the word he used. And I had to be like, did they redub this for the DVDs? I can't imagine that's going out on NBC's airwaves in 2007, right? 
Ah, you you used to hear it a lot more. Really? I don't remember hearing it a ton on network, so it could be there was a different version used, and this was part of the uncut, uncensored. But eh, who knows? Anyway, so that's the that's the chicken wing, and the thigh is. If you fuck me on this, I'm gonna take my play to Mandalay Bay, buddy. Come on, your your leverage here is not what you think it is. Like this is a bad, especially when you already owe them a shit ton of money. They don't want you to come back. They want you to pay your tab and get the fuck out. Yeah, I mean, even if this was a credible threat, I'm not sure that threatening Sam was the move here, bud. Yeah, extremely poor play. And it shows because Sam inexplicably takes a cell phone picture of him in jail, which I never really understood that part, but then just bails. Well, here's the thing. I know why she took the picture, but I don't know why she would have taken the picture. She took the picture so they could show people to get information from other streetwalkers about Brian. Oh. But why would she have done that now unless when she calls Mike? I don't know. I feel like it feels like things got out of order a little bit. Yeah, I'm with you there. Well, it appears that the sexual harassment training did not take, which I know is going to be a shocker to everybody here, because Danny tries very half-heartedly to establish some professional boundaries. And after one kiss from Delinda, he's back to suggesting they fuck on company time in a company room. So. Good use of time, Kathy. I mean, Danny was at least trying to move the situation out of the workplace eye. (laughs) I don't know. Listeners, if you could have seen Eddie's face, you would know he does not believe what he's saying. I'm I'm trying to give him some kind of a stretch here because there there really wasn't much. He is barristering his ass off on behalf of his client, but he does not. He's not a true believer, this Eddie, Eddie Mac here. No, I am a true believer that my client did nothing wrong. <laughs> it doesn't matter what I believe. It only matters what I can prove. Mikey, meanwhile, is trying to get his foot out the door, but first has to catch Shannon up on all the things she's going to have to take care of, figuring out a new schedule, blah, blah, blah. And as he finally gets out of the way, Shannon says, hey, you know, if you get bored on your trip, call me, playing with her hair all flirty-like. And Mike's like, uh, okay. I certainly will do that. Very cute lady, good at back rubs. So I guess we know where she shook out in the Mitch hierarchy. <laughs> I mean, Mitch had his chance. He could have he could have given Mike a back rub for years and never once tried. Could he reach though? Hmm. He just lower the chair. Insert hydraulic office chair sound here. Danny sees the tail end of this and starts giving Mike a little bit of trouble, who immediately is like, oh, okay, are you pot or are you kettle? Which one's which right now? Yeah, and then Danny gets pissed about Mike going to Hawaii instead of him, forgetting that A, Danny's in charge of the whole fucking thing while Ed's gone, and B, he's got to be upstairs fucking Delinda in like seven minutes. He does not have time for Hawaii. I think this is just like split second jealousy that if he thought for more than two seconds, he would realize, no, I'm good here. I have a very important meeting in 10 minutes that requires no clothing. Because Michael trades spots with Danny in a heartbeat. As we've well established. Hey, bud, uh, I'll go fuck Delinda and be head honcho. You enjoy Hawaii. And by the way, Sam. So good luck with that. Yeah, not the uh, not the trade that Danny's thinking it would be. Ed is seemingly on his way to either North America or South America, as his private jet is listed as somewhere over the Atlantic. And he's reviewing the film of the Sharif bombing over and over and over. And 
maybe he's found something? It seemed like he caught a glimpse of something that was important, but to us, there's nothing. And frankly, listener, it never plays out in the rest of the episode. So don't go worrying your pretty little heads about it now. It did sort of trigger in me a realization that it was kind of odd that he didn't read Mike into this earlier to have Mike break down the footage to see if it had been tampered with. Yeah, it did. The way that they kept showing it made it look like there was some weird timing stuff and that maybe they cut some stuff together, but we never really get an explanation on that. Oh, well. Who can say? It won't be Mike because he's landed in Hawaii, and when Sam is done giving him shit for his very, very loud Hawaiian shirt, Mike says, let me borrow your phone real quick. I've got to talk to this hooker. Shows the lady of the night the picture of Brian that I guess Sam snapped in the jail cell and asks what she knew about him. And she goes, yeah, everyone knows about him. He's the best money in town. He's done in two minutes. Sometimes he likes costumes, but he's not even really paying attention. All he cares about is real estate. And also she's careful to point out he has never roughed up any girl and poses no threat to anyone. Yeah, a 10-year-old could kick his ass, according to her. Just as Mike and Sam are about to dig deeper on the real estate angle, the prosty turns tail because two cops have sauntered up behind our dynamic duo and are going to arrest them on solicitation charges. Sam really racking up the charges here. We've got obstruction. We've got solicitation. Like, she's she's being busy out there in Hawaii. I like that she just went straight for the here are my wrists. Like, okay, I quit. Will you at least cuff me in front of me instead of behind me? That'd be ideal. <laughs> It's very uncomfortable. Ed is also landed in the private Montecito hangar and hops in an Escalade where Danny is waiting for him and asks how the trip to Morocco was. All we get from Ed is he was only there for about 35 minutes before we ride off into commercial. Yep. That guy's back in Vegas, baby. But Sam, not back in jail because she flashed one of the cops and got them off the hook. Now, I'm not saying that if I were a cop, that would not work on me. But I will say, if I were being busted for a vice crime like solicitation, I think public indecency is probably not the route I would go to get myself out of that. Your logic certainly makes sense. However, maybe you're thinking, ah, these guys are on the vice patrol, huh? Might mean they like being around the naughty stuff. Maybe they're just in it to see some titties from time to time. So you think it's an Ethan Hawke situation? These cops like to get wet. Mm, exactly. Interesting. All right. And either way, the gamble worked, so props to Sam. Would have been great if it worked to get her out, but not Mike. That would have been very good, actually. <laughs> would have also been better if we had gotten to see Sam flash the cops. Yeah, that that too. That's that's always a crowd pleaser. I mean, we've, we've been so patient. And an incarcerated Mike would have kept us from his other loud Hawaiian shirt and his painfully slow journey through the rainforest that is just dragging Sam along in like this bullshit Socratic way where she's like, I did not do the reading. Just tell me the answers. Yeah, I didn't bring you here to quiz me on things. I brought you here to fix this shit. So fix this shit. And the shit that needs fixing is that Brian owns the parcel of undeveloped land that they're on that has no utility access. But oh ho, next door is another parcel of land that does have the requisite utilities owned by none other than Natalie Coe. And if you could just vulture on those two pieces of property together, that's worth 50 mil easy. So Mike's conclusion is, hey, obviously Natalie set Brian up to take the fall and pick up the land on the cheap. 
And Sam's conclusion is, why don't we buy this out from underneath Bride and sell it to Natalie for a huge markup? Again, Sam's got good ideas this episode. She's just fucking bipolar about whether or not she's going to screw Brian or not. She really is. It's he's he's very lucky that the coin flips the way that it does at the right time for him because she seems very ready to just drop him like a bad habit. She that is a great metaphor because she now, in retrospect, does remind me very much of a Tommy Lee Jones era Two Face, where she's just like, <laughs> "I choose chaos. Let's see what happens." They head back to the hotel and they're thinking that it would have Vegas-esque camera situations, but Vic lets them know that, no, we do have this one camera in a tree outside. That's about it. And the only people that ever went into his room were the strippers and the two maids who would come by daily. What the actual fuck? We spent all this time like, how could have people come in and out? His food was always left outside and he wheeled it in himself. This is a real mystery. Except that maids, plural, came twice a day. Again, seems like we might have started there. I mean, this is almost an unforgivable writing sin because it just makes no fuck. It's like they got to this point and they're like, ah, tits. We do have to figure out a way to make it so he's innocent, don't we? Shit. How is he going to do the body swap Uh, okay. Okay, what if it's like a David Blaine situation? No, no one knows David Blaine yet. Fuck. Okay. Um, well, what if maids just go in and out all the time? Well, wouldn't that be obvious? Yeah, yeah. But this is an episode later from when we initially said this was a big mystery. So it'll be fine. Uh, it was actually, it's going to be two minutes ago that they said no one got in. I think people will remember. Ah, fuck it. Got to chip that widget. Sadly, this is what we are left with, and somebody's finally going to do their goddamn job and look at the tapes. Back in Vegas, Ed and Danny are having a good old stakeout when a cab pulls up that happens to be driven by a fairly familiar face. They hop in, tell the driver they want to go to Hoover Dam, and then you do what you do anytime you see a long-lost friend. You pull a gun on them. Well, I mean, you want to make sure he gets there quickly. Hoover Dam's a long way away. But what do you know? It's our boy Sharif. Danny is was not ready for any of this, as he's so often not ready for. And Sharif is just tickled by the fact that he's finally getting to meet Danny. He's heard so much about him. Ed really likes you. That's why he's so hard on you. And man, I sure am glad that you're fucking Delinda now and not that dork Derek. When did Sharif get this piece of information? That's a very good question. This Derek-Danny swap just happened. And Ed was in a concussion and then out of the country. Very bizarre. But I also loved it. I think it would have been great if he'd said, I'm sorry to hear about Delinda and Derek. I thought you two would have been a great couple. And then Dave would be like, well, actually, and Big Ed shuts him up. <laughs> As it turns out, I'm tapping that ass. Danny and Ed get back to Ed's place and... Danny's trying to figure out why Sharif is in Vegas if he was supposed to be dead or still in Morocco. Ed says, "Ah, yeah, here's the thing. I was told to kill him, but it seemed like a setup, so I didn't, and I've stashed him here for the last 20 years. I mean, Ed not willing to murk an innocent guy is on brand. Ed hiding this guy in Vegas, though? That I guess the idea is he can keep an eye on him there. And Ed mentioned, you know, he had done some other stuff. So that's it fair. Could be, it's a, hey, 
I've given you your freebie. Next fuck up, I am going to take you down, so I want you close. Anything's possible, but Ed's got a plan for handling everything moving forward. And step one of that plan is letting the CIA know that he's back in Vegas. As we go back to Hawaii, we're finally watching the tapes and we see Stripper goes in. Seemingly no problems. A couple minutes later, two of the mates show up while the stripper's still there. In about 20 minutes, the mates come out. The stripper's still in there. However, using the handy-dandy Montecito facial IQ, we find out that the two maids that come out are not the two maids that came in. One of them is the stripper with a little costume change. What I wondered about this was, imagine you're Brian. You know you've got a stripper over. Mm-hmm. I think I'm declining maid service right then and there. I mean, we've seen how he was living somewhat in squalor that I don't think he would really mind if somebody walked in, but I'm with you. It does seem questionable. That's the time you throw the padlock on that door and you lock your buddy out in the hallway. Go go ahead and throw that do not disturb sign up on the door. I guess maybe he figured since he's done in two minutes, what was he going to do with the other 18 minutes? Uh, You know, that's that's very possible. So not only did the maids have a maid stripper costume change, None of them work for the Montecito. And so Benny's going to take this information to the DA and see if he can get Brian sprung from jail. This does not seem like how that would work, right? Uh, yeah. This one piece of evidence is going to get them to get the DA to drop the charges and let him out? When, when combined with the conspiratorial real estate stuff, it's, it, it could be enough. I don't think they have that yet, though, do they? I mean, I think that was the point of the Mike-Sam combo. Fair enough. I just, I don't like Brian's chances of getting out of jail this, this early. I, like, you're still the only person in there with a dead body. Also, like, I'd be very interested to hear what Natalie's pitch on that was of, okay, the three of you, here's the deal. Draw straws. Hope you don't get the short one, because it's going to suck. I think pretend stripper, aka dead maid, probably was not aware of the plan. My money is on, she's just along for the ride. Thinks it's like to rob the guy or something, you know, knows they're up to no good. But how did they do the murder without Brian seeing it? And how is he not aware that it was a different person? Well, I guess it could also be Brian wasn't necessarily in the room at the time. The the locking himself in didn't happen until the dead body happened. So he could have been off at the beach and told the stripper to come on in and be ready for him when he got back. No, because the uh, because he was already oh, in there. The door's the only, yeah. yeah, that's the only entrance. I I don't know. Again, we're asking questions that we aren't supposed to be asking, I think. It's what we do here, though. I, I know that we do it. I'm saying the writers building this perilous house of cards were not hoping that we would come along 15 years later. You're saying perhaps they wish we weren't here. I think so. Fair enough. With Mike's work in Hawaii complete, Danny recalls him to active duty in Vegas, where he hints that they're going to need to borrow his paramedic friend with benefits. A shame for Mike, because he was really starting to enjoy himself in Hawaii and was getting some flirtatious eyes from the bartender, and so he was going to stay a couple extra days. But now, can't talk over the phone to tell him what's up. Just know it's important. So hustle on back. Credit to Mike, though, for picking up on the unspoken urgency of the situation and just doing it. Yeah, he's... We, we get a much more competent version of Mr. Cannon today. Speaking of mystery competency, Ed is going to say hello to his loving wife, who is uh, not 
feeling as lo- much loving as very, very pissed off at her husband. Yeah, there's definitely some uh, marital strife in the air. And and I think a very fair request from Jillian of... It's the Montecito or the agency. Not both. And I mean it. And ideally you would do neither. <laughs> Yeah. Also, you could just like, we're obviously crazy rich and have this nice place. What if you just retired and we traveled and had fun? Big Ed is either not reading the room correctly or does not give a shit because he continues to be glib in the face of his newfound enemy. And oh boy, I think that's going to be a chilly bedroom for a bit. Yeah, it felt a lot like the latter. I think he knew and just did not give a shit. Anyway, this conversation is also very important because the boys in Langley were able to task an NSA satellite when it was flying over Vegas and were able to see the whole conversation by the horsies. Danny has a run-in with Mary and this time finally uses some of the special ammunition he's been hoarding this entire run. Hey, what about Casey? What about Jake? And Mary's brushing all this off, having an excuse for everything. I'm just like, whatever. Wah, 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 wah. My, f- my favorite part about Mary's insanity with all this shit is she starts out coming at Danny with, why did you shove it down my face? Which is the literal exact opposite of what happened and what she was ostensibly mad about of them hiding it from her, not telling her, keeping it as far away from her face as possible. And now that she knows they're just conducting their business like normal and that is somehow offensive? I... It's just ridiculous. And Danny, after, as you pointed out, asking very obvious questions about her hypocrisy, just fucking shakes his head and watches her bail. Whatever, crazy. I'm fucking out of here. Eat, eat a dick, you crazy lunatic. We leave this just punishing conversation for a much more fun one in Hawaii with Sam and Natalie walking down the beach as Sam is toying with the USB drive between her fingers and ask Natalie if there's any chance she could just, you know, Buy the rest of the info for straight cash. This reminds me a lot of Mission Impossible when Ethan Hunt is just playing with the knock list on the zip drive on the zip disk so much. I'm like, yeah, doing the fucking hand magic shit. Yeah. Like, uh, I think we'll be a little more careful with that, there, Sam. Also, if I'm Sam, it sure seemed like you had a lot of good info already. Like, you could probably work with what you got so far. I'm shocked that Sam didn't go with the. I won't cooperate with the cops if you give me the decryption key. And just pitch to see if it could work? Yeah, like, I'll I'll say enough to get Brian out of jail, but... But won't turn you in? Yeah, because you weren't on... It wasn't Natalie on the video. Yeah, and it's pure conjecture by Sam and Mike as to her involvement. But Natalie asks, you know, come on, why? This fucking guy? And Sam's reply is simple. He may be a prick, but he's not a murderer, and he's her client, and Sam is a loyal gal. Says Natalie, was your client is probably a better use of of the English language. Yeah, Brian being way too much of a prick, way too early in the count, apparently earlier that morning defaulted on all his markers and filed Chapter 11. I'd, I'd let the justice system work its way out a little quicker before you uh, go ahead and burn the people that just helped you there, Bodna. Uh-huh. And also, it feels like in a situation in which Natalie's going to jail, you might get to do the thing to her that she tried to do to you and get her land on the cheap and make your Montecito problems go away. Yeah, a lot of bad plays here, bud. For some for somebody who's 
apparently obsessed with real estate. He's really taking his eye off the ball at the most critical moment. Yeah, this was prime ball hitting time, and it was right there on a tee for you. Natalie, maybe in a last ditch effort, or maybe is just feeling horny and thinks it's a last shot before she has to go to jail, tries to get a little more flirtatious with Sam, see if she wants to stick around for a while, see all sorts of things. And sadly, no. Sam says she's just going to turn her ass in. And Natalie thinks Sam would have been great for real estate because she is a vindictive, conniving bitch. But, you know, the game's the game. I don't think Natalie's wrong, but Sam's just not interested. The good news for Natalie, she'll have plenty of opportunity for lesbian sex where she's at it. Maybe she gets Sam's old soulmate. She was a cuddler. Everyone likes to be the little spoon. It makes you feel safe. Carl, back me up on this. Yes, little spoon all the way. Mary's not done with her bullshit. This time she's decided she's going to yell at Delinda while Delinda's talking to one of her employees. And God bless our girl. She climbs the turnbuckle and comes off it with authority, making it very clear that Mary can go fuck herself. She says, hey, wait a minute. There's one last little bit of ordinance I can expend on your position. Danny wanted to marry you. You gave him his ring back. It's over. You don't have dibs on him anymore, so get over it. You're out. That's it. Your your claim of ownership is done. There are no more dibs. Uh, D got her with the fucking super kick. You know, it, I realized today with sexual harassment training, it wasn't how to act in the workplace like a fucking adult training, apparently. <laughs> they'll, they'll definitely need Kathy to schedule that one. Holy shit. Yeah, the, a remedial course at that. But yeah, Delinda finally comes correct and empties the clip on Mary and just tells her to fuck off. And Mary tries to some last ditch shot of like, oh, I bet Derek feels so bad because he never saw it coming. And she's like, yeah, cool. Fuck off. You can go bang him if you want. I'm not going to be a bitch about it. I mean, Mary tried to pivot, but the round went to Delinda 10-7 and I'll brook no argument to the contrary. Without a doubt. I think honestly, the ref stops the fight on this one. Like, nope, that's not, that's we're done. God willing, the corner threw in the towel because oof, aloof. This idiot has no idea where she is, much less is she able to protect herself. We're out. <laughs> Mike and Danny scroll into Ed's for some late night cigars and fill that in about Hawaii and all the fun that was had with Sam. And real quick, how much do you want to be a part of Boys Night Poolside at Ed's house? Very, very, very badly. That just seems like such an amazing chill hang. It it seems like it would be a real good time. And you could tell this was the first time Mike has ever come close to this. Yes. And he is getting he is fucking geeking out so hard before Ed even gets to the good stuff. Well, when they finally do, Ed's gonna let Mike in on a little secret. He used to be in the CIA. Now Correct me if I'm wrong. I thought this was extremely common knowledge for everybody. Like, maybe didn't know the special forces or like some of the shit that he did in the CIA. But we've had a lot of talk about Ed being in the CIA that included Mike. I think this, uh, you're 100% correct. I think this was about Mike's, like, hearing it from Ed's mouth. Okay. You know, and like, he's now part of the inner circle. This isn't conjecture this isn't water cooler talk this is him being read in and now he's got a seat at the big boys table gotcha okay that's fair i guess it was the way that he geeked out about it was like no come on we've we've well established this bud you could take the mic out of mit you can't take the mit out of mike geek's gonna geek 
Touche. Well, he's going to need to sober up real quick because Ed's going to tell him about Sharif and ask Mike to help them kill him. Out of commercial, we see Ed on a sat phone setting up a meet with Sharif. And it's going to be at the Fremont Street Experience, a.k.a. downtown Vegas, 11 p.m., one night only. Bad news, the CIA had the call bugged, and their sniper rifle is ready in the back seat. Yeah, Boy Scout cannot wait to get his sniper rifle set up. Is going to do it in the car, it seems like. he's He's been just itching all day, just waiting. Ever since he flashed his piece in the alley, but Big Dog wouldn't let him pull, he's like, God damn it, give me back my son! Well, he's going to get his chance very quickly as we are immediately going to fast forward to tonight at 1130 at Fremont Street Experience. Just straight elliptical cut. None of the rest of this matters. The sniper's got Overwatch. The older agent is on the ground looking around and you see Sharif very slowly strolling with his bag. As Ed walks up in the most obvious, I have a gun and I'm about to shoot somebody in a walk-by position that he could possibly have them in. And, uh... Yeah, no, he walks up to Sharif, puts three in his chest, and then calmly walks off. You know what chaps my ass? What's that, Judson? I cannot pull off a leather jacket. I understand the pain. God, it would be... Those of you out there who can and you know who you are, fuck you just a little bit. God, when when done well, what a look. It's good luck. Don't ever take it for granted. You have a special gift. You owe it to yourself to use that gift responsibly. You don't just owe it to yourself. You owe it to us. <laughs> yeah, Exactly. If you don't, you have to stop listening to our podcast. That's the deal. <laughs> you know who you are. Go put, hit pause, go get the jacket, put it on, and then hit play again. There you we'll, go. We'll wait. Looks good on you. Well done. You're killing it. Look at you. Who'd have thought? Speaking of killing it, the agents are satisfied and they decide to uh, rile up. Are you surprised that we didn't get the young guy putting Ed in his crosshairs one more time and asking for the green light from the old guy? Or just putting another round in the dead Sharif. Just just for kicks to say he he was the late guy jumping on the pile two seconds after the whistle blew. Yeah. I mean, I guess that raises more issues for uh, for the upcoming Metro investigation, but whatever, they're CIA. These guys did actually remember the covert part of the covert ops, unlike their colleague in Marrakesh. But what they didn't realize is, didn't it seem like the first responders showed up just a little too ASAPy. I mean, Vegas is known for its great response times, especially for a tourist attraction like that. Gotta sweep that stuff under the rug real quick. Speaking of things I'd like to sweep under the rug, Mary's now going to confront Mike. It's the next morning, and I just want Mary gone immediately. You know how uh, Colbert doesn't say Trump's name anymore? Mm -hmm. I'm not going to use her name anymore. I'm going to memory hold this fucking idiot. Why can't you just die? My, the best part is Mike is in a similar boat of, you're really still doing this shit? Like, I I did nothing wrong. As you even said, I didn't do anything. So fuck off. And Mary start. I'm sorry, she who will not be named, starts taking these deep, deep jabs at Mike of, like, belittling his personality and calling out insecurities he may have. And Mike finally hits her with a look. We should probably stop before we both say something we'll regret, which you know Mike had something feisty loaded. God, I wanted it. I, wa- I, I want too. it more than the rest of Big Ed's recorded messages 
for the sexual harassment seminar. I just wanted him to stay. I wanted him to be the one that finally was like, puts her, like, breaks her, essentially. Yeah. I mean, D came close. She was, she's on the ropes. The Weebles are wobbling. Let's go ahead and knock that fucker down. Ed's debriefing with the CIA agents in his office and pretty much just says, look, fuck y'all. I'm out. But what was y'all's deal with him anyway? Why did you want him dead after all these years? And they rattle off a couple names of murders that he was allegedly involved in that Ed knew for a fact he could not have been involved with. But oh well, too late, I guess. I'm out. And we finally get Big Dog's name. His name is Lennox, which means I'm not going to call Boy Scout Lewis. Both a good joke, but what a fucking name for a random CIA agent. Agent Lennox. It's been a while, but I think you'll agree, this is nominative determinism. Ooh, yeah, not much you can do with Lennox. If you name your child Lennox, they're going to either be a boxer or some sort of wet work agent. Those are the options. Nah, pretty much. Or like an extremely British haircut stylist. <laughs> like one of those old-timey ones where the guys dress up with the fucking suspenders and yep. that shit. Yeah. But he's going to deliver a killer straight blade razor shave. It's going to oh, be yeah. fucking phenomenal. You're going you're gonna to be looking on point if you go see Linux. It's going to be some artisanal $48 shave, but... <laughs> you're going to like the way you look. I guarantee it. Linux makes it clear, though, that try as he might, Big Ed is not out of the agency, and should they ever want to yank on his leash again, they will. And you can fucking count on it, Ed, because we're always watching. Bye. <laughs> you won't see us, but we'll always see you. Lewis is like doing a little beat off motion. It was he he plays the smarmy sidekick asshole very well. I actually started liking him when. Why don't you take your little fluffy here and get the hell out of my office? The youngin can take a joke. He's all right. I mean, he might be a psychopath, but he's got a sense of humor. Which, you know, goes a long way. Yeah. Danny decides to use one of his last days as head honcho to undo the sexual harassment seminar that we just made everybody sit through. So bizarre. First announces to the crew that Delinda is now Although his first, girlfriend. First calls this all executive meeting to order. Like, he, he's pulled. So remember, this sexual harassment seminar was for the executives of the Montecito. So he's pulled all the bosses from all the departments back into the ballroom. Gonna run it back, y'all. Bear with me for a second. Wild, for starters. Yeah, their their productivity numbers today are not going to be great. You can only hope it's like a Tuesday. <laughs> but yeah, Danny decides to announce broadly that Delinda is his girlfriend now. And Delinda's all, oh, I'm your girlfriend, yay. And everybody's happy, except for Mary. And then say, okay, here's the deal. Sorry about that dipshit. We don't sell staplers or widgets or whatchits like he was trying to talk about. We sell sex. We sell booze. We sell gambling. There's going to be temptation around. So here it is. Guys, don't be creepy. Ladies, not everything is sexual harassment. How about y'all just be cool? Reasonable people can disagree about the wisdom of his new policy, but no one can disagree with the fact that Danny isn't actually in charge. Big Ed's back. Ed's back in Vegas. He's in his office. Oh, he's just down true. the street at Treasure Island. Yeah, he's he hasn't made it back to the Montecito yet. But holy shit, this feels a lot like signing an executive order on your on the day of the new guy getting inaugurated and him just coming to the office and be like, uh, no, not this one. 
Hey, Danny's going to use that pen as long as he's got it, damn it. Probably to do butt stuff with Delinda. <laughs> Probably. What's weird is she wants the cap off. Oh, why are you like this? I blame the cold medicine, but it's not. <laughs> Our episode's denouement. <laughs> Had to dig deep for that one. <laughs> Big Ed, Mike, and Danny are walking through the casino. They're closing the loop on the CIA. And that's when we learn, because surely we were all fooled, that all of this was a ploy to trick the CIA into thinking Sharif was dead. We get a fantastic ocean-style montage of how the trickery went down, and it's pretty much exactly what you expected. Ed fired some blanks, Sharif hit the squibs in his very untimely and climate-appropriate sweater. <laughs> Danny rolls out of the cop car with just a hideous fake mustache. How dare you? Cop. This is the new greatest fake mustache on the show. Actually, no, it's, it is... Amazing in its uh, horribleness. Like, it's so cheesy. It's so good. The way he gets out of the squad car and sort of preens, you know he's thinking, like, I'm going to make Delinda take a mustache right later on this. 100%. He's, D- Delinda's been speeding, and he and she's about to get pulled over. <laughs> he's going to write her a ticket with his dick. With his dick? Oh, no. I don't have that right now. <clears throat> yeah, you got to go to the pen on that one. Get warmed up first. Yeah. <laughs> you throw heat like that right out of the gate, you're liable to pull something. Yeah, we're all we're all playing a little hurt today. What are you gonna do? Anyway, Mike's in the ambulance right behind, making goo goo eyes at his lady friend who's working the beat. They roll Sharif into the ambulance, take him somewhere else in the city where the CIA agents still are and still have satellites tasked. But surely they're not gonna drop him off with Ed, who the CIA is obviously following still. Oh, there's Ed. We need one more big hug. Didn't feel like the best plan on the back end, but no, I mean, neither did having him right next to you for 20 fucking years. And that seemed to work out. Okay. Perhaps the CIA is not as adept as we think they are. I I mean, that is the most believable thing of the episode so far until what happens next when Sam is in the on the floor of the casino and Vic decides to surprise her because he really wants another shot. And friends, that seemed extremely believable. Yeah. And. Vic has had the entire plane ride from Hawaii to think of his strategy, and here it is. Sam, you're a perfect woman, except you're mean, but I can handle mean. What do you say? I mean, it's not a great plan, but it's not terrible. And she's going to blow him off one last time, but then he hits her with some intel. Casey's about to sell the Montecito, and I'll give you the details if you'll fuck me. Yep, done deal. Off they go. Sometimes a Hail Mary works, man. There's a reason it's in the playbook. Vic himself is stunned that it works and is like frozen for a second when Sam looks back and he realizes, oh, I'm going to fuck this up if I don't move immediately. And he scoots. I think what he's, he's thinking is like, can I get into the bathroom for a pre-fuck crank? Make this last? Yeah, I was not expecting this to work so quickly and I don't want to end up like Brian. It'd be a two-pump jump. Yeah, you got to think that he probably worked some of that out on the plane down too, though. One would hope. There were a lot of plans going through his head. It was very turbulent. <laughs> Ed, did you like the episode? Mostly, yeah. I shoot Mary into the fucking sun, but beyond that, I'm glad that finally everyone is done with her shit and is starting to call her out on it. But for the most part, yeah, I thought it was a lot of fun. How about you? Exactly the same. The Lady Voldemort shit is truly taxing my patience. I just want her gone. Just write her off the show immediately. The fact that we have to sit through another season of her still is the most disheartening part of all of this. 
it is blessedly shorter, so we'll be done with her sooner than we would have, but still. I feel bad for Nikki Cox, because I'm sure she's a great actor. Because, I mean, she does a convincing job of making me hate Mary, but this is just a bad character. Yeah, it really is. And it's not serving the plot anymore. She's just got to go. Yeah, I, like, are we supposed to feel sympathy for her? I almost feel like this episode was them making sure that we don't. Right. It felt like this was full heel turn and they want to make sure that anybody who is still holding on to any, maybe Mary and Danny end up working things out, that this will put the final kibosh on it. But Hey, if you're still shipping Manny, Dar- uh, Dar- Dairy? Dar- Dairy or Manny are your options and they both suck. Just like that relationship does. Hey, yo. If you're shipping them, now's your time to get off the bus. Sell them stocks. They're, they're already penny stocks. But they're going to zero. Get gone. Here's your free out. Speaking of pieces of shit, let's talk about the chip leader. We've got Delinda is our returning champion. Danny, a chasm, Ed, Mike, Sam, the stupid whore, and the second chasm warming up in the pen. I think we can just kick Mary into the second chasm. She she's last. Airhead Tyrant goes to last. Second chasm enters the game. <laughs> done and done. Um. Part of me wants to move Danny up over Delinda because he's no, no, she having likes a, it on top. Remember the whipped cream? God damn it, Jensen. My logic being, he's obviously having all the same fun that she is. Yep. Delinda gets some extra points for really telling Mary to fuck off, but Danny didn't screw anything up while he was in charge and got to finally participate in some CIA shenanigans with Ed and pulled it off flawlessly. Uh, I I can I'm fine with that. Uh, I had it unchanged, but I think you make a good point about the CIA thing, and this also being the first time he's not presided over a disaster with Ed out of town. So yeah, I'm good with it. I think Ed moves up to third ahead of the chasm because he's escaped the CIA trap. Agreed. I think Mike moves up ahead of the chasm because he had two opportunities to bang women this episode. Whether or not he's collected on them. But, you know, he's got he's got the ABs and again, the aforementioned CIA plot. Yeah. Yeah. Getting getting the invite to the big boys table is pretty huge. Yeah, that's a game changer. What I don't know is, does Sam jump the chasm? And I'm torn on her because she's lost the six and a half million in markers. But I don't know if that's her responsibility. I don't, uh, you know, again, the back and forth of is it the money played or the money lost that this show continues to forget about when it comes to Sam and is apparently only going to get worse next week, as we'll find out soon. Uh, It doesn't seem like it can help her in any way. And having to dick around with all that and having the white whale of JW's black book, Pokemon Evolved, slip through her fingers. Now, I will say, though, I mean, I agree with everything you said, but she's going to be the first person on the principal cast so our first person at this table to know that the Montecito is about to be sold. And we know that our girls traffic and our girl likes to traffic in information. That is true. And I mean, Vic's not a bad looking chap. It, there are worse ways to have to get information. So she did say the sex was lackluster, though. It's uh, fair. And she doesn't like nice people. Also true. Um, so I'm torn. I really I go either way. I, you know, I, I don't think I, I think a dual chasm at the end Bearing Mary that much more is appropriate for how this episode went. You know what? I like that. 
Ty goes to what will be more humiliating for that dumb bitch. So, <laughs> Danny, Delinda, Ed, Mike, Sam, chasm number one, new entrant, chasm number two, and then Mary somewhere in the depths of hell where she belongs. Congratulations, Danny. You're our new chip leader. Ding. From time to time, we cast our weathered eye along the expanse that is Las Vegas, and we say, you know what? Someone did a really good job, and we bestow upon them the honor of the McKee Key, named after that crazy kid, that crazy duo who likes to watch their partner fuck other people and gamble degenerately at the same time. It's a good life. Do you have anyone you'd like to submit for consideration? I do. I don't, I don't know if this rises to the level of a McKee but for efficiency purposes, I don't think we've seen anyone this good. Young Vic rolls into Vegas and is about to have sex with Sam in less time than it usually takes for us to land in Vegas and get to a blackjack table. That is a very good point. I mean, the efficiency metrics are off the fucking charts. Yeah. I mean, it's enough that he's going to have to be dropped from like the future stat table because they'll be like, this graph has no meaning if we include him. Yeah, this, this is like the minimum plate appearances. He does not have those because he didn't need them. Yeah. I, Vic, congratulations on getting laid and picking up the rare honor of the Makiki. Congrats, young man. I'm Marion Coatsworth. Hey. I don't think Vic needs any advice, but surely our listeners do. Got any pearls of wisdom you can share with us? I mean, if you can be Vic, be Vic. But kids, sometimes you just got to tell somebody to fuck right off. And as Delinda showed us, it can be great. And you know that shit had to be so cathartic for her, too. Oh, yeah. You could tell in the walk off that, like, she knew she got bad on ball and it felt good. That that was a little is Molly Sims actually pissed at Nikki Cox like level of <laughs> that had some stank on it. For sure. I know it was cathartic for me. So God bless her for doing the heavy lifting. And speaking of heavy lifting, we didn't really get a lot of gambling this episode. So is there any chance that next time we'll get to see Big Willie? Well, Judson, next time on Pod at the Montecito, the story of O. Oh, oh, it's magic, you know. No, Judson, I really don't know what you mean. Money troubles force Sam to hunt down some recent clients who stiffed the Montecito, while Ed agrees to make over a high roller so his wife will love him for more than his money. I feel like the sentence construction there is a little dubious, so that Jillian will love Ed for more than his money? I believe they mean the high roller's wife. I believe they do too, but I demand some precision of language out of my episode recaps, and we're just not getting it. Uh, you know, blame the uh, DVD box makers. I shall. I do think it's funny that immediately after Sam kind of shrugging off the six and a half million dollars that Brian stiffed her on, now she's going to have to go on a fucking scavenger hunt it it does seem like that chicken came home to roost mighty quick and for the sound of things this is going to be an episode that would not work well in the modern day because i just don't think you can escape a casino in the year 2022 no i mean also brian's defaulting the markers and declaring chapter 11 is not gonna work like (laughs) they they are going to be first in line of the creditors there well i look forward to reviewing it on time on schedule with the proper audio probably you know we don't actually make promises like that around here god no all of our promises are dumb ones but thanks to everyone who stuck around through the break and the bad audio we hope you enjoyed this episode half as much as we enjoyed making it 
because in that case, we'll have enjoyed making it twice as much as you enjoyed listening to it. Why don't you leave us a five-star review? Not two and a half, not ten. Don't get confused with the half and doubles. Five-star. It's the only button that works. Get on Twitter. Reach us at MontecitoPod using the hashtag LasVegas4Peacock. Do we have a cozy tag yet? No, we sure don't. You know, one of these days we're going to think about that before this very moment in the recording. But it's not today, folks. Nope. Not today. And I'll let you in on a little secret. It's probably not next time either. That uh, bodes poorly. I would not put my money on it. But in case you have no idea what we're talking about, make sure you check out Las Vegas airing every night on Cozy TV from, I think, midnight to 3 a.m. Central or Eastern or something I like that. I think Eastern, yeah. Uh, three episodes, seven days a week. So every five weeks, the whole damn thing rolls over. You have no excuse not to be up on your Las Vegas. No one to blame but yourself, unless you live in one of the places that can't get Cozy TV, in which case you just have to move. And I mean, yeah, that's still on you. Yeah. We, the tools are out there. Do better. Just remember, even with Cozy, let's leave, let's leave James LeSure out of the social media conversation. He's not here for it. No, he's busy in the rookie-verse. I'm sorry? He's on Rookie? Either that or the other one that gave birth to the term Rookie-verse, which cracks me up every time I think about it. So the Rookie Feds? That one, yes. I think he's on that one. Huh. If Nathan Fillion didn't get me to watch The Rookie, I'm sorry, James Asher's not going to get me to watch The Rookie Feds, but at least gives me pause. Like, let's see what our old, see what our old boy's up to. Just glad to see our friends getting work. By the way, hope you all enjoyed the copious drops for Shotgun Wedding last time around because I'm very excited for that movie. What a trailer. With or without best friend of the pod, Josh Demel in it, just seems like it's going to be an amazing time. Fun for all. Um, if you want to email us, which is the thing that you can do, you can email us pod at amonacito at gmail.com. Eddie Mac, help him out. Word, then symbols. There you go. Uh, I think that's it. Got anything else for our dear listeners? Nah, take us home, bud. All right. Well, until next time, I've been Judd. He's been Ed. And this has been Odd at the Montecito. This is... Ha, 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 ha.